Behind the Shades. Hello, hello, Mangoa. How are you doing this? Actually, I don't know how it is there, but you tell me. This Saturday, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. I'm here in the UK. It is, um, it's cold and it's wet, just, just for a change. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. It was cold here for the last three weeks, and we finally, finally, are getting some sunshine and no rain. Thank oh. the good Lord for that. So <laughs> I think if I could, I'd put some in a suitcase for you and send it your way. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you been up to today so far? Um, well, we're recording this on the day of the King's coronation here in the UK. Um, I am not um, a royalist. So I have been, I've spent my day going out for walks. I've been to the gym and I've been listening to podcasts. So, Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds like an educational day. <laughs> yeah. And I've had a bath. I've had, yeah, I've had a really lovely chilled day, to be honest. So, yeah. Perfect. So I know we're going to talk about a topic that so many of us need help with, but we don't like to admit it. Sexual confidence and how women can be sexier and more confident in the bedroom. So ladies out there, Pay attention, okay? Because we want you to be sexy and confident. So introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where everyone can find you. Yeah, so I am Mangala Holland. I'm a women's empowerment and sexuality coach. And I specialize in helping women overcome insecurities, hangups, and shutdowns so that they can um, feel more confident in themselves and awaken powerful orgasms and full-bodied pleasure so that they can go out there and live life to the fullest and feel fulfilled and whole. Um, you can find me at my website, which is mangalaholland.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well, Mangala Holland. You'll find me there. Yeah. So I know everyone probably stood up in their chair when they heard powerful <laughs> orgasms, Yeah. right? Because I know I did. I was like, what is that? Because I definitely need to learn more about that. So before we get to that point, give us the genesis of this journey for you. How did you start along this path and what got you into it? Yeah, yeah. I'll keep this. Uh, it's a long story that I'll condense it. Uh, back in my old life, I was working in England and I was working in corporate um, jobs. I was working in stockbrokers and legal firms. And I was also a DJ. So I was DJing three or four nights a week playing in bars and clubs, playing house music. Um, and I did that for a long time. And basically I burnt out because I was having too much fun. And yeah, just, it, I was, I, mean, I had a really good social life, but yeah, I, I burnt out. And when I burnt out, I realized that actually I'd been, well, I'd been partying way too hard for basically two decades. And essentially underneath all that, I realized that I, I actually didn't love myself and I hated my body and I felt very disconnected from my sexuality and um, I hadn't had fulfilling relationships and it, all I'd been having was a string of 
really bad one night stands that left me feeling full of shame. And I realized that at the core of everything, I was just holding so much shame. Um, and so I took a year off to go travel and I did the classic go find yourself and did a lot of spiritual stuff on my journey. And I realized that that was it at the core of it. I, I had to sort out this the shame and the self-loathing and the hatred of my body and all of this stuff. And that led me into the Tantra world. Um, and so I started exploring sacred sexuality and exploring what that meant. And I had some really profound breakthroughs within that environment. Um, and this is where I started discovering powerful orgasms for myself. And it was like, oh my God, I want I want to shout this from the rooftops. I want I want everyone to know that they're capable of having these in incredible, mind-blowing cosmic experiences. It was like nothing I'd ever had before. Um, but at the same time, the environment I was in, I was in Thailand by this point, that environment was super unhealthy. Um, and there was a lot of manipulation of women and a lot of really horrible dogmatic stuff about what it means to be masculine what it means to be feminine and it was super harmful and so as I and I called out a lot of abuse in that um community and as I left that community I was like I want to offer something for women and vulva owners that is safe that they can learn this stuff without the predators because there were a lot of predators in that environment and so that was the fuel for me to do what I'm now doing and I've been I've been doing this I've been teaching sexuality for 10 years now um I've got an international client base of amazing people all over the world um and helping them become fulfilled and it's awesome I know for me I had to learn how I want to how I wanted to represent myself in the bedroom um because it's not something you can go to your mom and dad say hey mom hey dad yeah. Can you show me some of your favorite positions in the bedroom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? right? Because they're going to be like, you're too young for this type of conversation. Go back to your room, read your Bible, do your Hail Marys, and yeah. off you go, right? Yeah. And then I had to learn my body first. And then I had mm -hmm. to become comfortable in my body first. When you mentioned that because you had a string of relationships and what some young people call situationships these days mm -hmm. right you began you realize that hey i don't want this anymore mm -hmm. some of the clients that you deal with when they get to you are they at the point where they don't want it anymore or are they still going through those toxic relationships one night stands they're still running through that whole um, gauntlet of roller coaster emotions that's a really, really good question. I, yeah, uh, I would say most of them have got to the point where it's like, okay, that way of doing things isn't working. Or like a lot of my clients are 40s and 50s and, and kind of over. And so it's like what worked for us in our 20s doesn't work for us as we get older. And we can't override things with hormones and alcohol and whatever worked you know you used to just go out and pick people up in clubs and take them home and you know it, it's different as we get older um, but you touched on something really key when you said learn in my body and feel comfortable in my body and this is this is the key of all of it um and it's so much of what we see in movies and in porn is performative and it's not realistic and it's all 
it's make-believe, you know, and real life isn't necessarily like that. Um, it can be awkward, it can be clumsy, there can be more humour, you know, it can be very, very different. Um, and unfortunately, people see what they see in movies and porn and think, oh, I'm not like that, therefore there must be something wrong with me. And so I really, really want to help people find their authentic selves because that's what's confident, that's what's sexy. I had, I went on a date years back. And the reason why I bring this up is you mentioned performative. And we hit it off. It was a good time, a couple of dates. And back then, there was always this like three date rule, right? So Mm. I'm feeling kind of good. It's a third date. I'm like, terrain, it's about to go down, right? (laughs) So after the date, we go back to her place and we had the conversation and then things started happening. And as we're getting into the mood, I guess she was feeling kind of anxious is the word. So she accidentally headbutt me <laughs> <laughs> and it hurt. And I was like, God, you know, <laughs> and it kind of like ruined the mood in a way. Right. So we talked about, it, we laugh. And then um, we, a couple of days later, we wanted date number four. Right. And then we found ourselves in the same situation. She headbutts me again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm thinking at this point, it's like an awkward response to the situation, right? Because who gets headbutted twice when they're trying to do it? Then I started thinking, is it me? Am I leaning in too close? And I bring that up because you mentioned it's awkward, it's clumsy. How do you talk someone through that where they're like, hey, Mangala, I just headbutted someone twice when I'm trying to get intimate with them. I don't want to do it a third time. Mm, yeah, I would say there. There's, there's something there about relaxing more. <laughs> there's. Uh, it sounds like you know, just like that. That because um, that's sort of that core of it, like feeling like I've got to get this right. You know, especially like the second time you had that 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 happened the first time. There's so much pressure that that we put on ourselves that it's got to go a certain way, that it's got to be right, and that this is a new person, and I want them to I want them to be happy, and I don't want to let them down. I don't want myself to, I don't want to let myself down, and all of this stuff, it, it brings in so much expectation and so much pressure. Um, and I think humour is a great thing. Um, it absolutely can just lift everything so much, and I think slowing things down relax take it easy um making sure you're connect, making sure you're not in your head but that you're in your body and this is something that so many of my female clients come to me with they're like i'm just feel like i'm in my head all the time or things will go all right and then something happens and then they go into their head and then they can't come back from it and then they they feel like they're uptight and that's that can be totally un, undone and un, worked out completely are there practices that the women you work with are given or is it like more of a conversation or is it both? It's both. Yeah. Yeah. So my work is a mixture of coaching and also embodiment so that they can get and simple movement practices that you can do in your daily life that take 10 minutes and you can do fully clothed, but just doing small things regularly, it helps you get out of your head and into your body. And that means then when it comes to being intimate, it's so much easier because you're not stuck in your head all the time. And also it helps you 
to feel more pleasure. So maybe what felt like a four out of 10 starts to become more like an eight or a nine out of 10. So it's like turning up the volume on that pleasure that you can feel in your body. And that's really important for orgasms. I wonder how many people have a rating system on themselves. For example, if you and I were intimate, I can say that it was a five out of 10 and you may think it's a six out of 10 or a three out of 10. Um, but that's our overall experience. But then I can say that my experience in it as an individual now was seven. I really enjoyed what she did. I enjoyed the connection, things like that, where you're left wanting, right? That the overall experience was this score, but what you felt was a little bit lower. Is that a type of conversation that you have with your clients as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think particularly for people who've been in long-term relationships, like there becomes this, I mean, habits get created and it can end up being same, same all the time, which then, you know, the, the passion diminishes or the spark gets less or one partner just starts to feel like this isn't, this isn't doing it anymore, you know, and it starts to get a bit sticky. So it is something that comes up, um, you know, or, or just or often, to be honest with my female clients, it's like, Sometimes they feel like they're going through the motions to please their partner and it becomes all about their partner's pleasure and their partner's orgasms. And they're left feeling like, I don't know what works for me. This is all I know is this isn't working for me. And so I'm not a couples um, therapist or coach, but the work I do with women helps them rediscover their own pleasure. Um, also through a lot of giving them the tools to explore self-pleasure in a new way. So then they know what works for them. And then and we work on how to communicate that with a partner without their partner feeling like they're getting it wrong as well, which is really important. What are some of the fears that women may have in the bedroom? Mm, oh, gosh. Um, some of the and this is where the, you know, where, where I say about getting out of, out of performance, performative stuff, because often I'll hear things like, you know, they're, they're worried about how they look or how they think they look. Um, they're worried about being judged. And that can be being judged for not being expressive enough or being too loud and being too much. It's like we're never quite hitting spot right. We're either too much or we're not enough. Um, and they worry about is their partner enjoying this? Are they going to leave them if you don't give them enough sex? Like there's all of these things. Um, and it's, it's it's the core of many people's insecurities. Is I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Uh, or my orgasms take too long. That's another one that crops up a lot. And I'd like to reframe that as like, what if it's okay that your orgasm takes as long as you like and you enjoy all of it and take up that time and space? And if it takes an hour, good for you. There's nothing wrong with that. That's That should be celebrated, not feeling like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Should that be, actually, let me rephrase this question. How should we evaluate the sexual experience? Because some people will evaluate it as, if I don't have an orgasm, it wasn't good. Versus mm -hmm. some other people, as you mentioned, it's more of the connection. I enjoyed my time orgasming orgasm or not so how should we evaluate the sexual experience it's a really interesting question and i think it's about more than anything it's about the heart it's about the connection 
You know, it's about the connection between two humans and what gets created and the the sum of the whole being bigger than the parts. I think that's the, that's the phrase, you know, it's like you put two people together and then something bigger emerges from that. I, I, I really believe in t- taking the pressure of orgasm off the table because if that feels like hard work for one party, um, then putting all the pressure on that is going to make that orgasm even harder to experience. So it's like, okay, instead, how did you feel emotionally? How do you feel about the the physical connection about the pleasure about the enjoyment of the whole experience you know um and what would you like more of what what you know if you're evaluating then rather than putting numbers on it it's like what works really well what would you like more of how you know what next time what else would you like or what could we do differently and start to you know, rather than just putting numbers on it, which could really make somebody feel quite insecure. You know, it's like, how do we, how do we bring out the best in each other? Yeah. And when you mention like the different positions that you can do in different things, is it, because I know you mentioned sometimes we get in our own head and we worry ourselves into it just being performative, right? Is it, a question of I want variety in my mind more so than the physical, or is it a mixture of both saying that I need to make sure that mentally I am there as well as physically I need to deliver as well? Oh, I love this. And I would say more than anything, it's never about techniques. It's presence is more important than anything else. So mentally you being there, being present with your partner, them knowing that you're with them and that you're, you're, you're following what's happening and you're not checked out or you're not just focused on you getting off, but you're responding to their needs in the moment and attuning to them and co-creating with them. That, that is a game changer. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So what's something that let's take me, for example, I'm a confident person in my day-to-day life, but sometimes especially if it's a new person, I may not know what they like. I know what I like. And sometimes we may be hesitant to communicate that back and forth. How do we start that type of conversation when we know no one is talking about that type of conversation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess here we're talking about when we actually get into, into bed. <laughs> um, but there can be a lot of build up to that you know there can be the tease the foreplay the the like that you know that you get to that point where it's like oh wow this is definitely on like that's a really fun place to kind of sizzle in that and and be in the anticipation of it and so I think then when we shift into the bedroom this is again where it's like slowing things down taking your time occasionally checking in like some things might be really obvious like oh wow this is working (laughs) like I'm getting a really good response by how someone is verbally and non-verbally responding what sounds there are how they're moving their body all of the you know the subtle cues and really listening to those um and if you're not sure then checking in you know like it's not in a every two minutes like you know is that okay is that okay like not in that kind of way but it's you know really yeah starting to tune in and listen and and treating every new interaction as a fresh moment so 
even if you're with this, even if you've been with the same person for 30 years, like what worked last time might not necessarily work this time. And if you're with a new person, a fresh partner, then guarantee what worked with the last person might not work here as well. So like, you know, some people have like their moves and their set things. <laughs> it's like, don't try to do the, the set moves all the time because people will, you know, somebody will feel that it might not feel authentic. And I think it can bring us closer together when we're just authentic. And I think it's also okay to really be a bit vulnerable and be a bit open and say, hey, I, you know, I'm feeling a bit nervous here. How are you feeling? Is there anything you want to talk about? And I think, you know, when we talk about sexual confidence, it's not just the um, how much we can relax and let go in bed. It, it's even like conversations around safe sex, about condoms, about past partners, about anything that needs to be brought up. You know, it's like, let's be grown-ups, And that can feel really confronting because we haven't had it modeled to us a lot of the time you're right it's a i think we all have the sex ed class but that's just be safe yeah wait until you're of age yeah. you know it isn't these types of conversations because the bedroom for many people and for me at times it's a scary place and it can be mm -hmm. because you want to perform a certain way you want to many of us, right? Want to make sure that the person we're with is enjoying it as well. And when you highlighted that you want the person to be in the moment, are there ways that you help your clients, your, the women you, you speak with, right? Are there ways that you assist them into being in the moment, not five minutes later on or the next day thinking, well, if I don't do this, he's not going to call me back. Like, how do you help yeah. them in the moment to stay in the moment? Yeah, and this works for this works for all genders. So, again, taking a breath and tuning into your breath, like particularly when you're with someone else, like coming back and checking in with your own body. Can you feel your own body? Have you gone off into your head? It's, it's coming back into your breath. Um, something that can really help. It sounds really silly, but just like wiggling your toes, because if you've been up in your head, like wiggling your toes can bring you right back into your body. Um, and see see where you're holding tension in your body are you are you tense in places that you don't need to be like you know the more we can be relaxed the easier it's going to be and if in doubt like eye contact is really helpful um breath can just be such a wonderful such a wonderful wonderful tool and touch as well like really tuning into touch and what you what the touch that you're giving and the touch that you're receiving and kind of feeling into the quality of that like you know what kind of touch do I like what kind of touch do I like to give how how are they responding to that you know and checking in sometimes you know would you like would you like this stronger or would you like me to back off a bit you know and these kind of things can really help um I think as well, the more foreplay people have and really draw that out a lot more rather than just diving straight to it. This gives you both the opportunity to tune in with each other a lot more. And then you're more likely to be on the same page. And also for women, they generally need a bit more foreplay. It's a generalization, but generally men get aroused very quickly. They peak and then they're done. Whereas women often will take longer to build up 
but once they get built up they can keep going and going and going quite a lot longer so to to kind of match that the more foreplay you have the more even that's going to be now here's a question and i'm glad that you mentioned foreplay because it's probably a million well due to inflation it's a billion (laughs) dollar question right now how important is foreplay oh it is right it is it's one of the most important things it's one of the biggest ingredients um we think of baking a cake like we would make it would be like the biggest main ingredient i would say um and somebody very wise who i can't remember who it was said that foreplay begins when the last lovemaking has ended so that's when we want to start <laughs> start teasing start building start saying i can't wait till next time start dropping hints start start you know being in the zone with that and creating that anticipation um it is so 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 important it really really is is that something that is at the beginning and at the end of the actual intercourse yeah, so I, you know, we we can look at foreplay as kind of the lead into everything that happens up until penetration or, you know, whatever's going to happen. Um, but it becomes a bit of a blurred line. I mean, where does foreplay stop and where does lovemaking begin? You know, there's this, um, it is a blurred, blurred line there because we can have so much fun and sex is just, sex is so much more than just penetration. There's so much more to it. Um, so that's what I would say. And I would also say as well that aftercare is also really important. Um, you know, that that spending time just to connect and spoon with each other or cuddle and just, you know, hang out in that lovely fuzzy space afterwards is delightful and delicious and is a really important part of the connection because that's when we've got the oxytocin and all the 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 cuddle hormones and everything else that is that is in the mix there. And it's 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 a big part of it yeah i was telling one of my friends that cuddling is so important and it gets often overlooked um especially in the aftercare part of it right like after everyone has climax and you know you start to descend from your peak and another friend she made a joke about aftercare is that anyone who doesn't have aftercare you might as well just leave the hundred dollar bill on the 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 table and just leave (laughs) yeah because that's that's what it sometimes it comes across as right like yeah. you finished and then you know you can't wait to get your clothes back on and get out of there um what's some of the common themes when it comes to sexual blockades for the women that you deal with and you help mm. So it can be, as we've already touched on, like I'm stuck in my head and I don't know how to get back into my body. Um, it can be being stressed. Like stress is such a big one. Like stress is huge. Um, feeling overworked, lack of a good work-life balance. Like if you are stressed and you are overwhelmed, one of the first things that's going to disappear is your sex drive because the body is going to take that energy and use it for survival. So um, that's a really big one. Um, A lot of it can be stuff that we've grown up with. So conditioning, whether that's from parents, whether that's from church or other religious upbringings or community, um, 
being told from an early age that your desires are sinful and there's something wrong with you. Like all of that can really go in deep. Um, trauma, of course, is a big one. Um, but sometimes it's just seemingly simple as, you know, just a bad experience with a, a previous partner where they said something about your body and it was an off-hand comment and they probably don't even remember saying it, but it's stuck. It's stuck and um, and that's hard to let go of. Yeah. And then sometimes it can be women that I've worked with who've had medical stuff. Um, let's say they, they've had bad childbirth experiences and they were dismissed by the doctors and weren't taken seriously. Um, there can be all kinds of things. Um, yeah, there's there's many, many different different things. Yeah. This is a conversation I love having because it takes me back to a time in my 20s where um, a friend at the time, she said that similar to what you just mentioned, there was a off comment, offhanded remark about her. And for the longest time, years went by. She's probably at this point, she must be close to 50 now. And she said that any time she wanted to be sexually intimate, it had to be in the dark. The, the drapes drawn, everything, right? Like now it's, it's 2 p.m. where I am. The sun is shining. She could not be intimate during that time. Have you come across women who've experienced that? And if so, how do we help them? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've worked with a few, quite a number of women who have never let their partners see them naked like, at all. Um, or have, you know, needed to have the lights off. Um, it's more common than people realise. Um, the sad thing is then everybody feels like they're the only one, um, that they're the only one who who goes through this, or they're the only one who feels blocked and shuts down midway through sex, or they're the only one that doesn't experience orgasm. Um, and it's so much more common than people think, yeah. And there's so much that can be done about it. There really is. So some of the clients that I've worked with who had real hangups about stuff, um, once we've been working together for a few months, they're like, oh, I've now decided I love being on top because that's the position that brings me the most pleasure. And I'm now starting to have all these amazing orgasms because I don't care what my body looks like. I'm not, I'm not feeling insecure. I'm, I'm, you know, they've not been on a diet. Their weight hasn't changed. Nothing has changed other than that inner sense of self and feeling pleasure from the inside out rather than worried what they think their body looks like. And that's why I think for her, it starts because it's all in the mind. Um, I haven't seen her naked, obviously, but um, the way she presents herself, she presents herself in an attractive way. But as you mentioned, it's not that uncommon. There's many of us who I can't, I haven't had an orgasm. I don't want my partner to see me naked. Um, even when you're in the moment and afterwards they're under the blanket wrapped up until you get up and then they're getting their, mm-hmm. their clothes on. Right. And I wonder if that's something that probably impacts women more than men. Mm, I don't know if it's more that I think it's, I think, I think across the board, insecurity in the bedroom is a big thing and for men it will show up perhaps a little bit differently and it can be about performance it can be worried about erections it can be worried about 
also being able to orgasm. It can be worried about whether they can make their partner orgasm. It can be worried about their dick size, like all of these things. You know, that's how insecurities and hangups can show up for guys. So it, it every you know everybody has insecurities, but they all show up a little bit differently depending on. I know for you, you mentioned that your client base is majority women over 40. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Although I have worked with everyone from age 18 to 76. Um, I've got clients in their 70s having the best sex and pleasure of their lives. And that's really, really inspiring. It is never too I'm hoping at my, I'm hoping at when I hit 70, God willing, <laughs> I can have still have the best orgasms of my life because... Yeah. I think like everything else, once you get it, once you develop appropriate behaviors and patterns, you can kind of make it work outside of like the medical situations and things like that. Um, what's something that you'd want to share with the next generation who are saying that you don't have to wait until you're 40 or 50 or you're 70 yeah. to experience these things. Let's start you sooner rather than later. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, like, so I think the younger generations have got a way better handle on consent than than our generation, for sure. And so I think they are leaps and bounds ahead of where we are in that in that realm. Like the consent conversations and culture is awesome in the younger generation. And so I would really encourage them to, to really look at um empowerment and like making sure that it's um that there is respect and that they are really learning to enjoy what works for them and learning to learning to discover and enjoy their own bodies without shame like the earlier you can do that i think that's what's gonna be key for everybody um, because once you know what works for you and what your body is capable of, it's so much easier to ask for that and, and discuss that with a partner. Um, and then great intimacy is so much easier. Yeah. And that's something that I want everyone to have and to experience because the body changes, whether you're 18, 28 or 58, it can change. And many of us have control to for to a large degree over that right like if you're gaining weight you can do something and lose weight you can maintain mm -hmm. your your figure and one thing actually i want to ask you since you deal with women pregnant women who've had the baby and they're coming back and even though their bodies may be similar to what it was before the birth maybe when they look in the mirror they're like oh i look like a whale mm -hmm. my body is the stretch marks here, things like that. Have you worked with women who are experiencing that and how do you coach them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I worked with, I've worked with quite a lot of uh, postpartum women as well who have been like, you know, I know it's early days, but I want to reclaim my sense of self here. Um, and there is a recognition that, you know, our bodies change so much. You know, motherhood is such a big it's a big initiation and the female body goes through massive drastic changes during before during and after that birth um and it does really impact uh some women and how they feel about their bodies 
And that also gets exacerbated because of the underlying exhaustion as well. And it's really hard to feel good about yourself when you're hardly getting any sleep and you're really exhausted. So that is always in there as well. And again, it comes back to feeling what sensation and what pleasure feels like from within so it's not about what you look like but what can you actually feel what feels good in your body how does it feel to be touched in a certain place or in a certain way and you know what really focusing on that um that helps to build confidence um it really does and also i i always like to help women in those situations recognize the power like you've given birth that is a powerful thing look how powerful your body is like that's miraculous that that you can do that um and i think that is incredible yeah I think it's a beautiful experience as well because childbirth, child creation, two people coming together to create us, right? Because yeah. we all have parents. It's a beautiful um, situation to be in. And I love that you said that pull from that wonderful experience, build yourself up, mm -hmm. hype yourself up, applaud yourself, right? And use that to feel confident, to feel sexy, to say that, hey, I may go from 125 pounds to 150. And now after the baby, I'm not 120, I'm 130, but own it and say that I can still connect in a sexually confident way with my, with my partner. So Manga, as we touched on the postpartum clients that you've dealt with and you dealt with women and their blockades and blockages and things that can prevent them, what if someone were to feel disrespected in the bedroom? Have you helped women have that type of conversation? Because for me, that would be an awkward conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I've, I'll be honest, I've worked with some clients who when they started working with me, <laughs> they've they've left their partners because they've realized that as they worked on their self-esteem, that actually the person they've been dating wasn't up to scratch and has been disrespecting them. And it's like, well, no, I'm not putting up with that disrespect anymore. So there have been a few instances of that. Um, you know, and so it's different for everybody, but yeah, it's, this is something that comes up and this is something that we are not given the skills to discuss and have that conversation and so sometimes that disrespect is um you know can be talked about um and sometimes it depends how if it's just like a one-off or if this is a long an ongoing thing but it's like the more the more my clients come into understanding their own self-esteem and their own self-worth and not from an entitled princessy kind of <laughs> place but you know just from a genuine self-worth of hang on this is not okay then yes and giving them the skills to be able to to have those conversations is really important and it's not just in the bedroom it affects this is like what happens in the bedroom reflects everything else that goes on in life so when my clients start to access their confidence and their orgasms it changes everything in their outside world as well because the self-worth is up they feel great about themselves. You know, that affects their relationships. It affects how they interact with their families. It affects the work they do in the world, what they'll put up with, what they won't. 
it's you know i've seen it change people's earning potential like yeah it affects everything <laughs>